Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, that great announcement. You're, you're, it's almost like you're recording, Mr. Barker. It's hard to believe you can do that just the same every single week. It's just amazing. That's why you're the professional and I'm the amateur. Hey, today, uh, this is a special, special day. Um, I have a lot of feelings on uh, 9-11 specifically. Uh, one of them is praying for my daughter, Lily. She is on an aircraft right now flying to Georgia. And uh, I would prefer her to not fly on 9-11, but uh, the bottom line is is she has faith in God too, and uh, we're praying for her safety and everybody else that's on the, in the air today. Uh, it was great to see her for her birthday. She came home for her birthday. So all that said to say this, that this is a very special day, um, but let me just tell you first what uh, today is going to be about. Daniel's protector and our protector, protection on 9-11 and in all days. Daniel needed the kind of protection that could only come from God. And on this 15th anniversary of the Islamic terror attacks on the United States of America on September 11, 2001, and the fourth anniversary of our brave Americans being murdered in Benghazi, Libya, I would like to teach what Scripture teaches about protection. But have you ever needed this kind of protection, the kind of protection that can only come from God? Have you ever needed divine protection, divine intervention, I can assure you, I personally can attest, I have. But I'm going to give you seven things today uh, to remember about Daniel and God that directly impact you in this perilous time. So I'm glad you joined me. And if you're uh, sitting in front of a computer, thank you, by the way, to chat for joining, guest 630. We're, we're pleased to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, consider going to drshawngreener.com, signing up for our mail list, uh, mailing list. It's free. Um, we're going to be publishing very brief ebooks starting this week. So if you, um, if you want to be involved in that, you want to receive those, you want to go to drshawngreener.com, get on the mailing list. It's, su- it's super easy. Your name, I don't even care if you make one up. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, your name, but your real email address. You, if you're on our mailing list, you will get notification of the eBooks every single week. Um, we also have a big announcement that we are in the process of rewriting, doing a second edition, a total rewrite of Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. One of the things that I rejected uh, after my crash, of course, I couldn't read. Uh, I couldn't really see very well, but I couldn't read. I have my dear friend that read to me all her fun uh, Jewish books right next to me today. She sure enjoyed that, I'm sure. 
so uh, college textbooks and stuff. And uh, so they were all about Hebrew and Hebrew worldview language and culture and some really heady stuff. But I was so thankful to have that. But I couldn't read um, and I couldn't write at all. So uh, what ended up happening is, is I purchased a program that that listens to your voice, converts it to text. And I said, well, I'm going to write a book. And so uh, we wrote this book, a, a great, great deal of it, with my voice. Um, we didn't have any money uh, because it was right after a devastating financial impact, pardon the pun, of the car crash. And so uh, little did we know, I didn't, I didn't believe at the time that I had a brain injury. That's part of having a brain injury. I don't know if you know. You reject the notion of any sort of brain injury. So I said, I don't have a brain injury. I'll be fine. Let me heal up from this, and I'll be, I'll be good to go, and I'll go back to work, and everything will be fine. Uh, well, that wasn't the case, and so we didn't have the money to hire the book to, I don't know, it was like eight or $9,000 or $13,000 or something like that. I can't remember what our part in it was, our financial part, but it was literally the last money that we had. And so we banked on that. Uh, here's a tip. You will not make money from writing books unless you get huge advances and you sell hundreds of thousands of them, just saying. Uh, lesson and note to self. So. Anyway, so um, we didn't hire a, a professional editor or a proofreader because we were out of money. And I don't know if you know, but it's expensive to have our to have this book uh, proofread and edited would be between five and thirteen thousand dollars, same cost to uh, that I did to write the book and, and print it. So um, I have to tell you now, this long afterwards, folks have been very very nice. You know, on Amazon, they're, they buy the book and they send me messages, and I really love that. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna make the first iteration of this book unavailable really shortly. So if you don't have it, you'll want to get it. Uh, Excellence Kill the Church: How Mediocrity Destroying America uh, on Amazon, and you can get it through our website too. There's a link there for the book. But because after too long, it will not be available in that iteration. Um, we are going to expand it significantly, completely rewrite it, update it. We will make it available in printed form as well as ebook. Uh, and Kindle. It's currently available on Kindle. And if you buy it on Kindle, thank you very much. You've made me rich. I make four cents on every copy, literally four cents. Can you believe how they do you on Kindle? I, well, I, it's a big pay cut. I went from 60 cents to four cents. So that's just how it works. Uh, the more you sell, the less you make. Ain't life grand on that one. So that's what we're doing. So we're doing ebook. So if you're signed up on the email list, you're going to get those announcements. Um, it'll be a really cool thing to have. They're going to be very dynamic. Um, they will be politically incorrect. There will be all kinds of different titles that we're doing. So if you're linked in with our blog, you will you will get notification of the ebooks too. So we're going on a, a a writing tear, as they say. So that's drshawngreener.com, D-R-S-H-A-W-N-G-R-E-E-N-E-R, or TheNinjaPastor.com. Easier to remember, TheNinjaPastor.com. Follow me on Twitter, at TheNinjaPastor.com. Anyway, there you have it. So <clears throat> the next part is, is not very politically correct. So not to deal with that. There's a lot of people all across America right now that are uh, their intent is to keep church and state totally and completely separate because they believe the Constitution says that, because liberals have told them that. And in fact, some conservatives who don't know the Constitution have also said that. And it's a shame. It's tragic. But it's absolute fact that there is no such thing as separation of church and state in the Constitution. So this is the 15th anniversary, and we have so serenely immersed ourselves in all of life, 
you know, living life. We've we've just immersed ourselves in that. We got busy with different things around us, and we forgot the real cause of terrorism and racial strife in our country. You know, a lot of people tell us on the left and on the right. We tell us all the time. They say, hey, and this happens a lot in churches too, by the way. So churches aren't immune. They say, hey, you know what? We got to love everybody. That's what we're called to do: love everybody, even love our enemies. Turn our turn our cheek, them smack our cheek on the other side there. Um, and uh, but that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to love love them up, and uh, they'll come around. Uh, what what the United States military and the politicians, the armchair armchair generals, call that is winning the hearts and minds of our enemy. Guess what? Here's a tip: you are not going to win the hearts and minds of Muslims. It's not going to happen. For thousands of years, folks have tried to win the hearts and minds of Muslims, and it will not happen. But this is what we've been told. We've been told that terrorism is our fault because we have people running around with too little clothing on. We've been told terrorism is our fault because we foist our religion on other people, even though the only religion in existence right now across the world that kills you for not being it or not being it good enough is Islam. So I, if you go to Facebook, another place to follow what I do, uh, Facebook is a good place for that if you're on social media, Facebook or Twitter. I'm on Instagram, the Ninja Pastor on Instagram, at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter, and then Facebook.com backslash, I think, SM Greener. I think that's the one. We also have a God and Country radio show page there. You can sign up and like and do all that stuff. The point is, is I post a lot of my photography on Facebook and Twitter and all those places. And so... Last night we were celebrating my daughter's uh, birthday. I won't say how old because I think she's close to that age where she starts to, I don't want to say how old I am. But there's a bunch of birthdays. We celebrated mine, even though mine's not till the 23rd. But we celebrated her dear friend Katie, uh, who's been a friend since little bitty. And they're all grown up now. Um, but the point is, is every now and then we were on the water, uh, the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal, and every now and then there there would be a ship or a boat that went by that caught my attention. But one thing that was really catching my attention are the beautiful sunsets that happen. Um, if you come out of the restaurant where we were, you look to the left, and you can see the sunset coming, coming into form, the colors changing, everything happening. And there's a bridge right there. And if you go onto Facebook or, or whatever the other places I, I just mentioned, you'll see the photos that I took. Well, there was at one point a cloud formation. And during that point in time, when I was out there, I was standing next to the C&D Canal, uh, literally on the rock right next to the water at the canal. And I prayed for two things. The first thing I prayed for was, please, God, don't let me fall in this water. Uh, and the second thing I prayed for is, Father, let us remember 9-11, because it was 9-10 yesterday, and today's 9-11. And there's a whole lot of folks that just have no clue what's going on in the world, let alone the United States of America, let alone their town, let alone their community. So one of the things I do, I'm a big believer in this, centerforselfgovernance.com, centerforselfgovernance.com. So all kinds of information on drstrongreader.com, theninchpastor.com, all those different things. We're going to have training the 20, I think the 20th, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd right in Delaware, state of Delaware, the first state where it all started. And I'm going to tell you it's going to be amazing training. So I, I prayed for the country, and I prayed I wouldn't fall in. I literally did pray I wouldn't fall in because I didn't want to do that and uh, be a bummer and kind of a party pooper for the night. But as the night was going on, uh, as, the, as the sun was, was lowering in the sky, there was, and just as I prayed this, I turned to the right. 
because I thought I heard a cool boat motor. Really, blah, 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 blah. you know, and I like horsepower in any form. So I looked to my right, but there was no boat there. But what there was was a cloud formation that was in and of itself dynamic and inspiring and compelling, golden, and it was it was by itself. All the other clouds looked very normal. But I looked at this cloud, and I just had enough time just to lift my camera and click a quick photograph of it. And I didn't know what it would look like on, you know, on the digital image. But what I knew is, is I said, man, if that looks anything captured like it does up in the sky, that's really something. And so then I went back in and ate a little bit more food, which was good, good stuff, all Eastern Shore kind of food, which I love. And uh, and everybody was laughing, having a good time. We were just really having a real good time celebrating the, all the birthdays and you know, all the developments of the year. And then at a certain point, I said, ooh, it looked almost too dark. You know, light is the friend or the enemy of a photographer. It looked almost too dark to take another picture. So what I did was I said, well, let me just give it a try. So I jumped up as though my rear end was on fire, not that it ever has been. And um, and uh, I jumped up, and I ran out there by the water, and I looked to my left. And while everybody else, because there were seats out by the water, I went right by everybody, and, and I looked to my left, and there it was. God's brushstrokes, amazing, stunning, a bridge under, you know, reconstruction, a giant bridge there, and uh, a, a feat of, of en you know, human engineering. And yet the greatest engineer of all, the maker of all, what he did in that sky was amazing. And as I looked at that, as I looked at that, I asked myself, does America really remember September 11, 2001? And of course, now we have the date four years ago of Benghazi. Do we really remember their lives? Many others, by the way, most people don't remember this, but many others were seriously hurt trying to save the lives of so many people there in the compound. I asked myself right at that moment how America in the very next election after 9-11, now this is a true story, you lived it too, could have ever elected an America-hating, unqualified Muslim president who had been nothing but a radical loser of the republic and a hater of Christians and Jews and white people, even though he was half white himself. I asked myself, how could America do this? Barack Hussein Obama, sketchy past, first president ever in history to not submit to a DNA sample. First time ever. Ever since we've had DNA samples, we've always, as as they're going through their their you know their process and their security briefing and all those things, what can you email, what can't you, you know, type of things. Don't email your yoga, your yoga stuff, or your grandbaby pictures. Uh, but as they're going through that, they take a plug of their skin, believe it or not. They take a plug of their skin and some locks of their hair, and then they lock down what their DNA is, and if they're ever kidnapped, God forbid, something terrible happens. Um, also, if they ever get sick, you need DNA, the, the advanced science that we have out there. The medical science is just amazing. They use the DNA to custom design things for them. Well, he's the first one, since we've been doing that, that has said, no, you won't be taking a DNA sample from me. So we got a guy named Barack Hussein Obama, who is in office, a uh, community organizer, an absolute abject failure as a state representative and also as a uh, in Congress, he was just an absolute failure. And we elect this guy, Hussein. What's his middle name? The only way, say it with me, the only way you can get that middle name is if you are a Muslim. He was raised and rejected um, by two radical Muslim fathers. 
really super radical Muslim fathers, and he was rejected by both of them, raised by his white grandparents, yet you never hear anything about them, and he hates white people, and he hates Christians, and he hates Jews. So after 9-11, we say we'll always remember, we will never forget, we elect this guy. We bring him in, the first thing he does is say, hey, we can't be mean to Muslims. we got to do things that show the Muslims how much we love them and we care for them and how much we will never be mean to them because they are precious and great and they'll make America great. And what do we do? The first thing we did is we changed NASA's mission. Who remembers this? NASA's mission was changed from being, hey, let's go to space and let's explore space to let's make NASA now a Muslim outreach. You know what? 40% of the people that could retire from NASA at that time retired literally within nine days. Did you know that? Within nine days, 40 of the people, 40% of the people who could retire from NASA retired from NASA rather than be have this new mission foisted upon them, which, of course, had nothing to do with what they do. So why am I saying all this? We're told to embrace all Peaceful, and I'm radio audience, we're doing air quotes here. Hey, welcome to Alaska. Great to have you listening. We've missed you for a while. We've got some folks in Alaska listening right now. A great state. You talk about a state, the last the last frontier, man. Alaska. What a gorgeous place. So we're, in to we're told to embrace all air quotes, peaceful Muslims. We're told to ignore their long legacy of murder and mayhem and terrorism. We're told that Black Lives Matter has a right to target law enforcement. They have a right to threaten and kill all white people. And that they have a right to sit out our national anthem all across America, in high school, in professional athletics, in Olympic athletics. We're told, you know what? You have a right to do that. You know, this is America. You have a First Amendment. You have a right to protest. We're not going to make you stand. Why is that? Because the perpetually aggrieved Americans say America is racist. Now, we won't, I concluded this, you know, I'm taking this picture, trying not to fall in, praying for America, and I concluded, no, we, we will not always remember because we have not always remembered because we do not always remember. We have absolutely long ago forgotten. We promised, you remember that Alan Jackson song? <laughs> remember how beautiful it was? I'd love to sing it. I love that song. It makes me cry. And, uh, you know, where were you? Yeah, yeah. And he talks about folks that went out and got a Bible, never had a Bible before, folks that ran and gave blood, folks that joined up in the military. A lot of people don't know this, but almost all of the victims of 9-11 in New York City, at the very least, and, and others that were included, um, received a million-plus dollar payouts from our United States government. You know, it was never voted upon. We were never given an option. You say, well, you know, why would we do that? Why would we do that? That's not... Why? Did we have life insurance policies on these people? But they were, and it was rather quickly that they were given this money. Didn't You guys know that, right? Yeah, most people don't know it. When I speak across the country, people will shake their head, no, I didn't know that. Why did that happen? Not that we want to begrudge these families, but why did that happen? Well, isn't it also something at the Pulse shooting also done by a radical Muslim? Pulse, you remember that, the Orlando nightclub, that gay LGBTQ nightclub, and Allegedly, there was a bunch of shooting, and a bunch of people died, 49 people, and they went to the hospital, and normally when you go to the hospital, guess what happens? They treat you, and then they keep records, and then they do what? They send you a, they ask you 900 times for your insurance, they ask you 900 times for your address, and they say, you know, if your insurance doesn't pay, guess what? You have to pay, but nobody to date has received a bill 
from the hospital where everyone was t taken. Not only that, the hospital has come out now and said, you bunch of heroes, guess what? We're not going to charge you any medical bill. Not one, not a penny. Gosh, you've been through so much already. Have you ever heard of that? It's never happened. But I want to remind you of another group. By the way, there's millions of dollars, millions upon millions of dollars that have been crowdfunded and and uh, all these different, I'm not going to name the different places, I'm going to give them more business, but, you know, these places, something happens, and you say, hey, let me give some money, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get plugged in, man, I'm going to get plugged in, I'm going to be part of this. So you give money, $10, $20, $100, $50, whatever, uh, thousands of dollars for the victims. Well, there's millions of dollars in this account now, and they're giving this to these people. Now, I don't begrudge the victims of 9-11, I really don't, I really don't. But you know what, there's other victims of 9-11. And who are they? Who are these other victims of 9-11? They are, they are the young men and the young women who saw those planes hit the towers and saw the planes hit the Pentagon and, and saw the giant crater in Pennsylvania from those great heroes that said, let's roll. And they said, oh, no, you're not. You're not going to go after our, our capital. And they pushed, they fought their way to the front, and they died saving who knows how many. Americans. You know, those are heroes, too. But the heroes that I'm speaking of are the ones that saw on television or maybe were there, you know, at the different places, and they said, hey, not on my watch. And they joined up and they got poverty-level income. If they were enlisted, you know, an enlisted person in the United States military, the United States service member is darn near poverty level when they sign up. It takes them four years of serving in normal promotions to get out of almost poverty level. And, you know, when they die, nobody hands them millions of dollars. Nobody, nobody hands them that. The parents get handed a folded flag. They get a little tiny death benefit. Death benefit. Isn't that a funny thing? Death benefit. What an odd insurance term, isn't it? So they go and they, they, they get the flag that draped their, their loved one's casket. Thank you very much for your sacrifice. What a great and terrible sacrifice you've made. And all across America, there are thousands like that. They don't get money. You say, well, what's that have to do with today? Because, you know, I look at heroes. We throw that word heroes around. To me, Daniel, uh, Daniel in Hebrew, ironically, that's how it's pronounced. Um, Daniel, what a, what a hero he was. What an amazing hero. Really, really something special. Really, really super something special. I want to say this, those people came from every part of America. They came from farms. They came from cities. They signed up and they said, I want to be, I don't, like, you know, like World War II, my uncles, save one, all joined up. We want to go over there. We want to fight them. And we want to win. And all of America back then, World War II, gathered together around them. Aren't we proud of our soldiers? Aren't we proud of our service people? And then people all across America got involved, got into factories. Women, that's the first time women really got involved heavily in factory work. And they said, hey, you know, all our men are over there fighting. We've got to learn to do the rivets, and we've got to learn to build stuff. And we got to, you know, a lot of the guns were made 100% by women who'd never made a gun in their lifetime. Typewriter repair companies were enlisted to make guns, and they made great guns. All of America got behind it, you know. They didn't forget that great generation, the World War II generation. But what happened in America, we all for a minute got together. You know, they did a big emblematic uh, situation where they all got on the, 
the, the Capitol steps all, our politicians get on the Capitol steps and they sang, God bless America. What you don't know, guess what you don't know? There was a major debate privately over whether or not they should sing, God bless America. And where did that debate come from? Who, who initiated that debate? You'll, I'll give you three guesses. Red pickup truck to the first person that guesses. It was the left. It was the left in Congress. Many of the people in the left said, I don't think we should sing. God bless. Don't we think that's going to be offensive to our Muslim brothers and sisters? You know, that's a peaceful religion. Did you know that? So finally they, 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 they lose out and they say, hey, look, you're going to go out there, that's what you're going to sing, or you're not going to go out there. No, we have to show solidarity. And for a few minutes it looked like our, our country had come together. But they argued before they went into the public eye in front of the cameras, and they argued about whether or not to say God Bless America. You know, Daniel, the great prophet Daniel, he knew who his protector, capital P, was. But you know, I'm going to tell you, those great American heroes, the women and the men who joined the service, who'd never thought about joining the service ever before in their life. You know, we had, you know, today is Super, not Super Bowl Sunday, but Football Sunday. And I remember Pat Tillman, the Arizona Cardinals, had a million, millions of dollars contract. And he not only joined the Army, but he became an Army Ranger. And he fought. And granted, you know, he died from friendly fire. We come to find out war is a, a tough thing. We don't ever want to look at war and, and look, it's, it's dangerous and it's tough and it's scary. But the fact of the matter is, is it's also very, very deadly. That's what war is. And he gave his life. And there's many more accounts of that where they said, you know, I'm going to walk away from the great life that I have to fight for the life of my country, for my family, for my kids, for my grandkids one day. And they did that. But they don't get millions of dollars. They don't get a lot of accolade. They're gone. They get a flag draped casket, and they get a burial. And they could be buried in Arlington or in a cemetery all across America of their choosing. And I know many of the families, the Gold Star families, I know many of them, such a great sacrifice, yet all across America. You know, there's high schools in America, oddly enough, one of them in Texas places. I found an interesting fact about the school in Texas. You guys hear about the school in Texas? High school in Texas now, they don't want to play the national anthem because the football players on the team, uh, they said, you know, we see this uh, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the, the national anthem. You know, we're black. And and we're getting shot up by the police. You know, police just run around shooting black people, young black men. It's just for nothing. And so we're going to fight that. So all of us have agreed we're not going to stand for the national anthem. So what's the school do? School says, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have the national anthem. Seems kind of divisive now. But here's the very interesting thing. You, you say in Texas? Come on. Must be another state. You must be thinking of Vermont or Connecticut or Delaware <laughs> or Maryland. One of those states, you know. Can't be Texas. But what we learned when we examined, where did all the administrators from the superintendent on down, where did they come from? How many real Texans do we have and how many conservatives do we have? And guess what? Big round figure. You guessed it, zero. None of them came from Texas. None of them were conservative. You see, that's what the left is doing. They're doing it in churches all across America. Why? Because we aren't Daniels. We don't stand up and say, I don't care what you do to me. My Father will protect me. Heavenly Father will protect me. My God will protect me. So we don't do that. Quiet, we're peaceful, and we're having our freedom and liberty taken away. So what does that have to do with church? 
Freedom and liberty has everything to do with church because freedom and liberty, freedom and liberty is a gift from God himself. Hey, this Wednesday, you want to hear more about that? This Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the great William J. Federer, Bill Federer, he is going to be on my radio show, The Collision of Faith and Politics. I'm so excited. You've heard him there before. He's going to be on again. I have the sense that he's going to be a little wee bit fired up. And if you've ever listened to him, he is a machine when it comes to facts and figures, and he ties them in all the way. You hear what he has to say, all fact-checked. He's written some great books. Um, you hear what he has to say, and you say to yourself, man, how did we let this happen? And I believe that a lot of it has to do with churches all across the country. I talk about it in my book, the book I'm rewriting now, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. And one of the things that I know is this. All across America, pastors started becoming, um, you know, I, I use the term in the book pulpit pimps, but it, they were more concerned about the offerings, the money coming in, than they were about preaching the true gospel and preaching the truth of the collision of faith and politics. They were more concerned about that. Well, I'm telling you, this past Wednesday, a lot of people have asked me, what in the world happened on Wednesday? Why didn't you do a show? I have to tell you, I have not always been a pastor, and I'll tell you this too. I was so mad on Wednesday. I was literally spitting nails on Wednesday. I couldn't have gotten through a two-hour show without either cussing or screaming. And I didn't figure you want to hear either. So I figured, you know what, maybe we just better not do the show today. So, yeah, believe it or not, I reached my breaking point. I get mad, and then that's enough. And I said, well, tell the whole truth, none but the truth, so help me God. However it comes out of my mouth, or I'm just going to be quiet a little bit and let myself cool down. So this Wednesday, I am either going to be more angry and too angry to stop myself, or I'll be just angry enough. So you might want to tune in. Hey, would you agree that Christians and Jews need protection in America? Just 15 years from 9-11, Christians and Jews need protection in America. But the question is, where will that protection originate. You know, there's a great, great, you guys know this, I'm into this, I'm really into uh, into this complete Jewish uh, Bible, complete Jewish Bible, and also now the complete Jewish study Bible, which I have in my hot little hands. You know, of course, I had to order it once I heard it was available. I have to have it. Happy birthday to me, Jerry. Thank you very much. You, well, he, he, he told me it was available, and I immediately... Four minutes before the show last Sunday, went online and thank God for Amazon, bought the book and was here by, I think, Tuesday, something like that. It was wonderful. And I'm loving it. So Daniel, uh, Danielle, uh, is really kind of how it's pronounced in Hebrew. Um, it kind of goes like this. Uh, Danielle, uh, Danielle uh, 4, and we'll start, maybe we'll start, um, well, we'll start right around uh, verse 13. I looked at the visions of my head and lay on my bed, and there appeared a holy watcher coming down from heaven. He cried out, cut down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit. Let the wild animals flee from its shelter. Let the birds abandon its branches, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground with a band of iron and bronze in the lush grass of the countryside. Let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share the lot of animals in the pasture. Let his heart and mind cease to be human and become those of an animal, and let seven seasons pass over him. This order is issued by the watchers. The sentence is announced by the holy ones, so that all who live may know that the Most High rules the human kingdom, that he gives it to whomever 
he wishes and can raise it up over the lowliest of mortals. Now, this is what happens. This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. You you know him as Nebuchadnezzar, but it's, it's really not that. It's Nebuchadnezzar uh, saw. Now you, Belshazzar, tell me its in, interpretation. Belshazzar, who is, who knows, that was the name of, that he was called, reading the book right now, his name is Daniel. Now, none of the sages of my kingdom can tell me the interpretation, but you can do it because the spirit of the holy God is in you. See, he didn't understand all he needed to know about Daniel. Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was in shock a while, frightened by his thoughts. Whoa, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been praying? Have you ever been thinking on things of Christ? Somebody asked me this week, they said, you know, is it all right for Christians to meditate? Here's what I say about meditation. Prayer is having a conversation with God. Meditation is listening to God. Clearing out your mind of all these worldly um, confusion and noise and just listening. Be still and know that I am God. Well, that's meditation. Well, have you ever been quiet and still and all of a sudden something appeared to you, something impacted you? Maybe you heard the voice of what you thought might be God. And you said, whoa, that's a little disturbing. Not all the pictures are pretty. Well, this is what happened to Belshazzar or Daniel. He was frightened by his thoughts. The king said, Belshazzar, don't let the dream or the interpretation frighten you. Belshazzar or Daniel answered, my lord, if only the dream were about those who hate you and the interpretation about your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, and its crown reached the sky, and it could be seen throughout the whole earth that had beautiful foliage and abundant fruit, enough to feed everyone under which the wild animals lived and on whose branches the birds in the air built their nests. It's you, your majesty. You have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your rule extends to the ends of the earth. Now the king saw a holy watcher come down from heaven who said, cut down the tree, and destroy it, but leave the stump with its roots in the ground, with a band of iron and bronze, in the lush grass in the countryside. Let him be drenched with dew from the sky and share the lot of wild animals until seven seasons pass over him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and it is the decree of the Most High that has come upon my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society to live with the wild animals. You will be made to eat grass like an ox, and be drenched with dew from the sky, and seven seasons pass over you until you learn that the Most High rules in the human kingdom and gives it to whomever he pleases. But since it was ordered to leave the stump and the tree with its roots, your kingdom will be kept for you until you have learned that heaven rules everything. Therefore, your majesty, please take my advice. Break with your sins by replacing them with acts of charity and break with your crimes by showing mercy to the poor. This may extend the time of your prosperity. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Bavel, the king said, Bavel the Great, I built it as a royal residence by my power and force to enhance the glory of my majesty. No sooner had the king spoken these words when a voice came down from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, these words are for you. Thy kingdom has left you. 
You will be driven from human society to live with the wild animals, and you will be made to eat grass like an ox and be drenched with dew from the sky, and seven seasons will pass over you until you learn that the Most High rules in the human kingdom and gives it to whomever he pleases. Within the hour, the word was fulfilled. Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with dew from the sky until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. When this period was over, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes toward heaven. And my understanding came back to me. Oh, there's something special in that. I blessed the Most High. I praised and gave honor to him who lives forever. My understanding came back to me. Wow. Have you ever been kind of lost, kind of jacked up in your thoughts? Man, you just weren't sure about how things were. You just you just kind of got lost in yourself, kind of went a little bit crazy. Maybe your hurts, habits, and hang-ups got the better of you for a while. But then you came back to your senses. Your understanding came back to you. And then you blessed God. You reached out to Heavenly Father, the only one that can truly protect you. My understanding came back to me. Have you ever been lost and then found? For his rulership is everything. His kingdom endures through all generations. All who live on earth are counted as nothing. He does what he wishes with the army of heaven and with these living on earth. No one can hold back his hand. What are you doing? It was at that moment that my understanding came back to me. And for the sake of the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor also came back to me. My advisors and lords sought me out. I was reestablished in my kingdom. And to my previous greatness, even more was added. So now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are truth, and his ways are just, and he can crumble those who walk in pride. Have you ever walked in pride? Have you ever found yourself, for some reason, walking in pride? You lost yourself. You lost your understanding for a while. You missed out a little bit on reality. You thought maybe, hey, look at me. I'm big time now. I've got everything going right for me. Everything's working out just perfectly. Everything is awesome. And you know what? Hey, welcome to New York, by the way. Thank you for joining us. Upstate New York. Always good to have you. You say, man, I'm a big shot now. I can handle this myself. I built all this. Kind of like the government said, you didn't build this. You wouldn't have had it had it not been for us. You know, that in part is what this king, Nebuchadnezzar, said. Same thing. Same thing. Hey, let's look at this. Daniel 6, 19 through 23. Maybe 18. I'll give you one for free. Then the king returned to his palace. He spent the night fasting and refusing to be entertained. As sleep eluded him, early in the morning, the king got up and hurried to the lion pit. On approaching the pit where Daniel was, the king cried in a pained voice to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you were always serving. You know, they chose that word carefully. Whom you are always serving. Not when you feel like it. Not when you feel like he's blessing you. Not when you feel like he's doing what you asked him to do. But always. Whom you are always serving. Been able to save you from the lions. Remember, he got cast in the lions. How many know how old Daniel was at this time? 
No. He was old. He was 80 years old. Man, and it doesn't look good when the king throws an 80-year-old person all up in the fire. But you know what? The Persians had a uh, the Persians had a rule. Hey, the decree's been made. You can't, king, you can't violate your own decree. You've got to throw him in there. So he did. So we asked him. Then Daniel answered the king, may the king live forever. Now there's your answer. When a person who's thrown into the lion's den is able to yell out, may the king live forever, you kind of know the answer. The answer is no. No, the lions didn't eat him. Yes, God the protector, heavenly father, stood in the path. He changed the nature of the very animals he created. Man, can you imagine? Do you understand that this is not just a childhood flannel graph story in some basement of some little church somewhere? This is real stuff. This really did happen. God changed the makeup. He didn't make the lion any less deadly. He changed the lion's mind about eating that tasty morsel of a man there in the den. Because you know nobody was going to stop that lion. Nobody's going to shoot the lion. You know when the little boy, um, I don't know how this happened. In the, in the Remember this was a big deal in, uh, where was it, uh, some... Was it Cincinnati, some zoo, and uh, some mom holding the holding the little four-year-old over the enclosure wall for some reason. The boy falls in, dropped in. The ape comes over. The gorilla comes over, grabs it. They decide, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kill this gorilla. We're going to kill this gorilla because if we dart it in the time frame in between of the the, tran- the uh, tranquilizer taking, play- taking effect, he might just kill this boy. So we better kill him. So they did. Why? Because they thought they knew the nature of the gorilla. Well, how do they know the nature of the gorilla? Same way they knew the nature of the lions. The lions are in that pit. They throw, they throw things to the lions. The people didn't like back then. You, you ticked off the king. Guess what? You got thrown to the lions. Wow, it's fun to watch Jews get that up. They did it for sport. That's how horrible they were. And the lions, you don't have to convince a lion that a lion is tough. You don't have to convince a lion that a lion's the king of the jungle. You don't have to convince him of that, king of the plains. You don't have to convince him of that. He knows it. He knows it because that's how he was born. That's what he's made to do. Be the king, be the top. But what did God do? God changed that makeup in a moment. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he said some sort of fancy God word or just waved his hand or just blinked. I don't know. I don't know what he did. But all I know is, is, Daniel answered the king, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they haven't hurt me. This is because before him I was found innocent, and I also have done no harm to you, your majesty. Man, he did the right thing. He said, hey, you know what? My God, I'm going to trust my God to protect me because I know he can. I know he will. But in the meantime, I I didn't cause you any problems in your kingdom. You want to put me in the lion's den? So be it. If Heavenly Father says, you know what? It's time for Daniel, and the way he's going to go is he's going to get ed up by lions. So be it. He wasn't afraid. He had no fear, because why? He knew whom his protector was, capital P. He says, I've done no harm to you, Your Majesty. Then in verse 23, the king was overjoyed and ordered Daniel taken up from the pit. So Daniela was taken up from the pit, and he was found to be completely unharmed because he had trusted in his God. Man. You know, that, like I said, is not a childhood story. Yeah, we were told it as child, but we, children, we didn't, that wasn't made up. That's the real deal. That's a real thing. That really did happen. 
It's not uh, uh, just a thing to teach us a little something. It's a thing that really did happen. And you know what? Here's the thing. He didn't get eaten because God said, you're my servant and I am your protector. Daniel's testimony regarding God's protection is pretty explicit. Here's seven things. Yeah, I know. I'm on a roll with sevens, aren't I? What am I going to talk about next week? Gambling? Roll the seven. Seven or eleven. No, I won't talk about that. You never know, though. You better listen in just to see if I do. Seven things about this protection. God's protection was and always, it always is this, divine in its help. That's number one. It's free of charge. Divine in its help. For it was God who shielded him. He knew. Look, he knew. If God wants to shut the mouths of these lines, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I like to, this sounds crazy. I know I've said it before. I like to be around animals that can kill me. I like to be around bears. I like to be around lions. I like to be around rhinoceros. I like to be around hippos even. You know, the deadliest animal in Africa is what? A hippo. Hippo kills more people. You think, well, they're goofy looking. They're silly. They're they're mean. <laughs> Hippos are deadly. They're violent. But the bottom line is I'd like to be around that kind of thing. Now, snakes, snakes not as much. Some from a distance, out of striking distance, fine with me, but I'm fascinated by them. But animals, they could kill me. Crocodiles, for sure. I want to see them for sure. But lions, oh, tigers. Black Panther, come on. Not the ones that are standing at the election booth smacking their sticks, wearing the black, talking about, you, you know, who's going to vote for. I'm talking about real Black Panthers, the one like they have in the jungle. And, and uh, you know what they have them? They have those Black Panthers in um, Florida. Did you know that? That's a big deal. That's a real big deal. When you see one of them, it's considered to be a real big deal. So who wants to see them? You know, I did my book tour in Florida. You know what I'm looking around for? Crocodile or alligators and black panthers. I said, man, I got to see one. I like to be around animals that can kill me. Now, that's stupid. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not, I have a brain injury. I've told you that. It's not new news. But the thing is, is it's not that I want to tempt them to do it. I just think, wow, God makes some cool stuff. And, you know, polar bears, you know, polar bears, the deadliest bear, polar bears, they don't want to kill me because they have some problem with me. No, they probably think I'm, hey, look at that guy, look at that thing over there. He's nice food, I bet. I bet we can outrun him. We can run 30 miles per hour. We know he can't. We can climb trees. We know he can't. We can rip doors off of cars. We know he can't do that. Well, we We'll share. I mean, he's six foot, almost six four. You know, we'll share the guy. Plenty to eat for all of us. Snack, anyway. Right? They're not mad at me when this happens. What is it? It's their nature. It's how they were made. Nature and nature's God said, you know what? I'm going to make some animals to eat other animals, and I'm going to put enough animals that have to be eaten by the other animals to sustain them. This is how it works. Don't argue with me. I didn't write the Bible. So here we are. Divine help. You know, if I walk into a crocodile pit, now I went to this one restaurant down in uh, Florida when we were on the book tour, and I, and, and I was so excited because there were signs everywhere. We're driving up, driving up to this restaurant. Don't go out on the pier without the lights on. Do not lean over the edge of the pier. Do not walk up to the landing ramp of the boat. Do not do this. Do not reach into the water. I mean, all these signs, and I was loving it. I said, you know what that means? Lots of alligators. You know what that means? I'm going to see lots of alligators. I'm going to tell you something. I saw a 14-foot alligator, uh, 12-foot alligator. I was probably 20 feet away, and I smelled them before I saw them. You know, stuff rots in them inside their bodies. They, they smell bad. 
He smelled bad. Now, I still wanted to see him. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. I still wanted to see him up close. I figured I'm quick enough. Maybe I get a few steps backwards. They get away a little bit. They can't sprint, but a little bit. But here's the bottom line. If I went into some alligator pit, is it God that's going to shield me? No, I'm stupid. God's going to say, you dummy. Can't you read? Can't somebody read these signs of this dumb boy from up north that wants to be around these alligators that are going to kill him and eat him? Well, that'd be a lesson for me, wouldn't it? Now, if I go out in the wilderness and, and I want to see this black panther and the black panther's hungry, and he jumps out of a tree on top of old Sean, bites Sean by the neck because that's what they do, and they fling him down, and he eats me up. I don't want you to kill the black panther. I hate that. Don't you hate that? When, uh, you know, in California, this happens all the time. There's mountain lines. There's signs all over the place. This trail is closed to pedestrians or bicyclists because there are mountain lines in this area. Please do not come. You will get killed. You could die. What do they do? They say, ah, we're going to ride our bikes up here. We're going we're to walk. Maybe we'll stop and have a little picnic. And then they get eaten. What's the first thing dumb old American people want to do? They want to kill the mountain lion for doing what? There's only one thing in the world that can change the nature of things that are deadly. What is that? God, their creator. It's the only thing. And that's what he did. Divine in its help, number one, if you're counting. Number one, it was God who shielded them. How do you know God will shield you? Well, first, guess what you have to know? You have to know God. You say, God is unknowable. Well, you had better try. Isn't that the point? We've got to keep trying. We've got to keep digging a little deeper, a little deeper. Be still and know that I'm God. Well, how are you going to know that? Be still and think about God. Study his scripture. That's the only way you're going to know that your help is divine in nature. Well, Daniel, he knew this. He knew God shielded him. That was the only thing. Now, if a real powerful person comes up to the edge of that lion's pit, and the lions are snarling, and, and, and you know there's all kinds of drool coming out of their mouth as soon as lion gets, Daniel gets thrown in there, and they're like, mm, 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 we're going to kings tonight. I don't think they actually say that. They might, though. I mean, the roar might mean something. I just don't know until I get to heaven, which I am going to know when I get to heaven, and you know I'm going to love to hear what all the animals say. You know that. They're probably going to – I'll find out they've been talking about me all this time. That dummy wants to come around us. What's wrong with him? We'll eat him if we get a chance. But, you know, a real super powerful person with a lot of money, they stand at the edge of the pit. Even the king could stand at the edge of the pit and say, Lions, now don't you eat, Daniel. Don't you do it. Could even influence them at all to not eat them. No, it's their nature. And he doesn't have enough power. Why? Because he's not God. He didn't create those lions. How long has it been since you trusted God first and always for your help? How long has it been? You say, well, I, I don't know. So many things. We've been praying for the same kid. What is he, 16 now? 17 years old. We've been praying for, what, five years, six years? And his family. We've been praying for him. God, please heal this kid. He's a nice kid. He's a sweet boy. He loves you. He trusts you. His family's wonderful and awesome. He's got the best grandparents ever. I can attest. But here's the thing, my friends. You know, we look at that, and, and that can be a soul crusher. That can be a faith crusher, can't it? It can be. But it doesn't change the facts. Our help is divine in nature. The only place it comes from. Say, so we just find the right doctor. We just find the right medicine. We just find the right spray. We just find the right whatever. We'll fix it up. I don't know. I don't know. Those things are bigger. They're above my pay grade. I just can tell you right now, I don't know who he chooses to heal and who he doesn't. All I know is this is a broken world. This is a messed up, jacked up place. And who did it? We did. We got nobody to blame but ourselves. Because we've been disappointed. 
we stop trusting first and always in God for our help. Here's number two if you're counting. Personal in its benefit. For Danielle said, my God. You heard me kind of yell that, didn't you? You thought maybe there might be something to that. My God. When's the last time you thought of God as your personal God? You say, well, he's everybody's God. No, he's not. Whoa. That's a little bit heretical, isn't it? Who is the Whose God is he? Those who acknowledge him. Now, he's everybody else's God, too. You know, you know that. But he says, I won't remember you. I won't know you. I won't know you. Whew, that's big, though. We claim him as our God. He says, he's my God. Personal. Personal God. Remember last week when you learned that you are the sparrow? Remember I preached about sparrows last week? Wasn't that fun? It was another seven thing. You can listen to it. It's free of charge. No commercials. On drshawngreener.com or thenewpastor.com, go to the blog or the listen. You'll, it's free. Nobody charges you. You are the sparrow that God cares so much for. Man, that's big news. Somebody somebody ought to shout that or put that on a billboard or maybe put it before television shows. You're the sparrow that God cares so much for. Not a sparrow falls from the sky that God doesn't know about. He feeds them. He provides for them. You're that. You're the sparrow. Daniel was the sparrow in the lion's den. And you know what? Lions can eat creatures as small as sparrows. That's no big deal. But lions are no match for their creator. Here, we're moving along quickly. Look, I'm going to, if you're hungry, you you got time. I've only got a few more to go through. God bless you. Number three, angelic in its medium. For the angel shut the lion's mouth, one translation says. For the angel shut the lion's mouth. Other translations, complete Jewish translations, God shut the lion's mouth. The one that created him shut the lion's mouth. When was the last time you trusted God and his angels for your help, even in the biggest and most daunting of problems? When's the last time? You could be honest. I'll tell you. Sometimes I say, no, I can do it. I can do it. I got it. I don't need help. I don't need help. I'm a little bit bullheaded. I'm a little bit stubborn sometimes. Very rarely, but sometimes. I'm going to work my way to number one of the most stubborn. That's what I'm doing. That's my goal. Even in the biggest and most dawning of problems, sometimes we think, I got this. When's the last time God shut the mouth of your enemy? Ooh. Now, I just did a whole big opening on Islam. You know, Islam is the enemy of God. Don't, don't kid you. Don't let somebody tell you this peaceful religion that has been co-opted. Read the Quran. Read Umdad al-Salik, which is Reliance of the Traveler. It's a book on how to be the best Muslim you can be. I've read it three times. It's 1,345 pages. I've read the Quran. I'm working on my fourth time now. I can tell you this. I'm a little bit known around the world as an expert on Islam. This Wednesday, William Federer, undisputed expert on Islam. He'll clarify some things for you. I'm telling you right now, Islam is not a religion of peace in no way, no shape, no form. Remember what I tell you all the time, and Bill Federer is the one that coined this phrase, religious, political, and military ideology. It is not, it is absolutely not a religion. When's the last time God shut the mouth of your enemy? Listen, don't get it twisted. There have been many enemies of people of God. There have been many enemies of Israel. You know what? Israel right now is surrounded. Beloved Israel, God's chosen land and God's chosen people, and there are enemies all around them. State the or a country the size of the state of New Jersey. Guns point at them from every direction. Hate it. You want to drive them into the sea. And yet, so far, God has shut the mouth of the enemy. 
I'm here to tell you, sometimes the biggest challenges, we look at Islam and we think we can't beat this. We can't beat this. Let's be their friends. Let's be friendly with them. They'll love us. Let's feed them. No ham or pork, but let's feed them. Let's give them jobs. Let's bring them into our country. Let's give them jobs. Let's do all these different things. That'd be great. They'll fall in love with us. You know, every hijacker was an, an, an assimilated American. Not an American citizen, but an assimilated. They looked, the, the, all the people they interviewed said, oh, they're, they were, I can't believe, really? No. Well, he drank beer with me and went to the strip clubs big enemy. Sometimes your big enemies look like your friends, but here's what we know. We know enough from Undad al-Salik. We know enough from the Quran. We know enough from Anjum Chowdhury, who tells the truth. You know, he's in jail right now. The the uh, Muslim cleric in in uh, London, he's finally been jailed. My goodness. Although he's been given an office and a recruiting center, because that's what prisons are. Largest recruiting center ever for Islam is prisons. Fastest growing religion in prison is Islam. But here's the thing. Anjum Chowdhury tells you the truth about Islam. That's why he's locked up. We better we better do some reading. We better do some learning. Wednesday at 4 p.m. That's a great time to start. That's not in the scripture, but I'm just making that recommendation. When's the last time God shut the mouth of your enemy? Here's number four. Responsive in its blessing. There are three reasons given why Daniel was delivered. Innocency was found. He was found innocent. He'd also done no hurt to the king. He said, hey, hey, I'm not out to get you. I'm not your enemy. I'm here to help you. Yeah, I know you threw me in the lion's den, but Lord protected me. Father God protected me. Heavenly Father protected me. He stood in between. He shut the mouth of the lions. Nobody could do it. But God did it. And then the last thing, number three, he was responsive in his blessing, and he believed in his God. What did I say just a minute ago? Y'all remember? Nobody here is forgetful. I said he claimed, he claimed God is his God. He took ownership of God. God owned him. He owned God. He, he joined in the blessing. The covenant was fulfilled in that. He said, you will be my God, and I will be your servant. He believed in his God. We can claim God all we want. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of the way. I don't tell people I'm a Christian. I tell them says I'm a follower of the way, capital W. The fact of the matter is, you know, we can talk a good game. We can look really good. We can make it sound real good, can't we? We can do all those things. But what happens? When the rubber meets the road, when we have to make the tough decision, when we have to stand in front of the lion, the hungry lion, do we stand? Are we believing? Do we believe or we say, oh, I'm going to give it a try. And if God is real, still, we've been Christians for how many years? 15, 16, 17 years? If God is real, then he'll save me. Hesitant faith is no faith at all. We wonder why miraculous things don't happen in our lives. Because our faith is challenged. Now, in the case of Carson, I know their faith is miraculous. Their faith is amazing. I don't know what God's story is on that. But he's God and I'm not. Now, I'll, I guess maybe I'll ask when I get to heaven. I don't know how that all works, but I know this. Carson has claimed God is his God. How many of us have? We know Daniel did. But Shazer, he did. He said, you know what? This is my God. And he shut the lion's mouth. Man, can you believe it? Hey, number five, if you're counting, gladdening in its outcome. For the king was exceeding glad when he found Daniel safe. Wait a second. You say, hold on. He threw Daniel in the lion's den. He said, you got to go in the lion's den now. It's time for you to go in the lion's den. You just, 
He just obeyed me. He's got to go. But he was glad. Why was he glad? Why was Daniel glad? Or why was the, was the king Nebuchadnezzar, why was he glad that Daniel was alive? He didn't have it in for Daniel. He just was doing what the decree. It said the law is. You got to do this. You got to throw him in there. He's disobeyed. You got to throw him in. There was something about Daniel. What was it? I'll answer it for you. It was, because this is a short show, it was Daniel's God. Man, I hope you survive your hurt, habit, and hang-ups. Why? Because you've got something special about you. God is in you. I just know it. Man, I hope you make it through life so I can be around you a long time because you've got something special about you. It's it's your God. Your God. How do I how do I go about getting your God to be my God? Is there a sign up place? Is there something I do? How many of us are like that? That people look at us and go, Man, I want to have your impressive. Can you imagine when the king walked up? We don't have to imagine it's written down. Somebody stop me when I say something stupid. It's written down in Scripture. God gave us a Scripture. Why did he do it? So we could be still and know that he is God. First, we have to believe. We have to believe. So we go and we look at we look at Scripture and we say to ourselves, self, because that's what I call myself. We say to ourselves, self, do you believe or don't you? How many of you have had faith trials, faith questions, faith challenges in your life? It's okay. You could say it. If it's true, you know, I've never, I'm going to give you some fact here. I've never once not believed God was God. I have, however, believed on many occasions that I wasn't good enough for God to protect. I wasn't good enough for God to love. I wasn't good enough for God to direct. Here's the crazy thing. In case he wouldn't be God and I wouldn't be his. That's how it works. It's the deal he made with us. He said, hey, I'm not going to raving. I'm make a covenant with you. You believe in me, place your faith in me. Put your life in my hands. You'll be all right. It may look rough at the time. It may look like a lot of lion's dens on your way to work. Maybe your work, maybe some of you work in a lion's den. Maybe some of you live in a lion's den. Your neighborhood is pretty rough. And there's a lot of lions and stuff around. Maybe maybe you have a family full of lions. Can't wait to eat you. They're challenging your faith. And you need God to shut their mouths and you say, man. If only God would shut their mouth for a little bitty while. Hey, here's number six. If you're counting, these are free of charge, no cost obligation to you. Delivering in its end. For Daniel was taken out of the den. He was taken out. How's that happen? I like to think maybe he was thrown in there. They made a big thing of it. There you go. I don't think he fought it, though. I don't think he fought it. Do you? You think Daniel fought the lion's den? What's that story about those kids? The fiery furnace? Remember that? Somebody say it a little louder. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Crazy names, aren't they? you got to love them. That was a Hebrew name. They were, they were, those are given names through the through the kingdom, but, but those weren't their Hebrew names. But here's the crazy fun thing. Guess what? The, the fire was so hot. I might preach on this. The fire was so hot. The people that threw them in, the guards that threw them in, burn up. They disappeared. <laughs> Gone. Woo, that's hot now. Now, we've had some heat the past few weeks. I'm going to tell you right now, it isn't that hot by comparison. And yet, they look in through the fire and the flame, and they see how many people there? How many do they see? Four. Who is the fourth one? The Son of God. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. I can't defeat fire. I'm telling you, I'm tough as all get out. I can't feel my legs from my 
just below my knees down. Uh, I've done some gross stuff over the years walking. I, it's, I won't go into it, but it's terrible. When you don't feel the pain initially, you can do some really nasty, gruesome stuff. Like I've broken my toe and it's all crooked like this. And then I look down and go, I'm walking funny. And I look down and there's my toe going a direction it's not supposed to go. Whoopsie. But here's the thing. Here's the crazy, crazy. Look, man, that's gross. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, Miss Gloria. Y'all be all right. Here, everybody's just done eight. Done eight, and they're like, mm, we don't want that. But here, you know, here's the crazy thing. Listen, I'll just cut to the chase on this one. How many of us have been plucked from the worst possible danger, the worst possible challenge? Man, I have. I have. I told my story the other day. Somebody asked me, what happened to you? Uh, somebody reached out. I can't remember who it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, at the hospital. Somebody, uh, the mother of a, guy, a great guy I grew up with, his name is Jack. Uh, his mom's Doris. Boy, I, he's a good guy, really super good guy. Lives in Arkansas now, doing great things. Humble father and grandfather and husband. He's an awesome dude, just an awesome dude. Well, I grew up with him all the way from, I think, kindergarten. No, we were in kindergarten, all the beach house in Lewis, all the way up. Graduated together. I see his mom in, in the hospital. I'm in there. My brother had surgery. Thank you for praying for him. Continue praying for him. Um, <laughs> I see her and I said, man, that, she looks familiar. And she said to me, she said, now you look familiar. I thought as I was coming in and I looked on the thing and I saw your name on the thing. I thought, I know a greener. He went to school with my boy. And I went over there and I said, are you Jack's mom? She said, yes, I am. I said, you know who I am? She goes, you know, I don't know your name, but I know your last name is Greener. And gave her a big old hug. Of course, she's little tiny. Gave her a big old hug and took a selfie and sent it to my buddy. And I said, hey, look who I saw. Isn't that always fun? You bumped into somebody. You grew up with, haven't seen in 30-some years. I graduated in 1983. I don't know how long that is because I'm not good at math anymore, but it's a bunch of years. It's more than yesterday. I know that. But you know what? Here's the thing. I told her, story. she said, what happened to you? I heard something terrible happen to you. What happened to you? I said, well, I was in a terrible car crash. Sitting 92 miles per hour, head on. I was going 51. They were going 92. Head on went from 51 miles per hour to zero in seven feet. Bent the steering wheel with my mouth. Now, nobody is shocked that I might have a strong mouth because I talk all the time, build up my muscles. But here's the thing. I bent that steering wheel with my mouth. Had I should have been absolutely destroyed. Trapped in eight inches of space. They had to cut the whole left side of the car off. It took them 40, 39 minutes to cut the left side of the car off so they could get me out of the car. Somehow I survived that. I don't know how. But you know what? That was one of my lion's dens. I've been in more than one lion's den, and God has plucked me out of every single one. You want to talk about a faith builder. I have a reminder every day. Constant, unrelenting pain. I forget things like what day of week it is, how to count money. <laughs> you know, People follow me around trying to give me change. Oh, I'll give you change. Sure, I will, because I don't have any idea if they're giving me the right amount of change. But that's a, that's a, a lion's den, too. That's a pit. I said just a minute ago, God, I wonder, you know, how did it look when Daniel got thrown in there? About Shadrach got thrown in there. How did it look? Did you just throw him in? How deep is it? You don't want it. You don't want it shallow enough. Those lions can jump out, y'all. We like the lions' pit to be deep around where we are. I don't have a lions' pit. I'm just saying, like I was there. But the thing is, all those lions. You want it deep. You don't want the lions to get out of there. So I imagine they threw him in there. So he wasn't just safe from the lions. He was safe from being tossed into a pit that's deep enough to keep lions out of. I don't know if you know, but lions are strong. They can jump. They climb trees. 
But what they do, they put down a ladder for to get him out of there. He was taken out of the pit. But who took him out of the pit, really? God did. Man, they might have put down a ladder, but the lions, can you imagine being the dude, can you imagine if, if the king said, hey, uh, is there something wrong with our lions? Why don't you run down there and see if the lions eat you? Who wants that job, right? But there were actually people that had that job, believe it or not, to make sure they're fierce enough. <laughs> that job, I don't care what it pays. Here's the crazy thing. Somebody had to set that ladder down and kind of say, come on over here, Daniel. Time to come out of the pit. How many have a hurt habit or hang-up right now that folks have come up to you, your friends, your family, have said, please, come on, you've got to come out of this pit? A lot of us have dug our own pit, haven't we? Family and friends, people love us. Say, you've got to get out of this pit. You've got to stop going in that pit. There's lions down in there. You've got to get out of that pit. One of these days, those lions are going to go with their nature. They're going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to eat this fella. We're done waiting and we're hungry. Sometimes drug addiction, alcohol addiction, that's a big pit. It's a big pit. We dig it for ourselves, don't we? We do. I know lots of people, you know, heroin is sweeping across the country. And what heroin is causing, uh, one city, uh, Huntington, West Virginia, was it Huntington? Huntington, West Virginia had 22 overdoses in one night. Little old Huntington, West Virginia, 22 overdoses in one night. Heroin. But you know what? All across America, there's folks drinking themselves into a stupor. They're drinking themselves out of their families. They're drinking themselves away from their spouse. They're drinking themselves away from their kids. They're isolating themselves from their friends. All across America. Man, that's a pit. How about lying? Awful lot of lying going on. You know, it's 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 a more of an epidemic thing. You can epidemic than you can imagine. Lying has become the norm in this country, hasn't it? It's been approved. Well, I don't want to tick anybody off. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say this is the truth. Well, there's a little bit of truth in there, so that makes it good. Then people get hurt. People get harmed. People get thrown in the pit. And the lions in that pit, God doesn't shut their mouths but for a while. And you get jammed up and you lose everything. Sometimes laziness. Sometimes procrastination. Sometimes fear, unrelenting fear and lack of faith. Is the pit. I don't know what your pit is. Everybody's got one or two or five. Right? I've got a bunch. I've been in a bunch of pits. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm in the pits. You ever hear does anybody say that anymore? Ah, oh, it's the pits. How was such and such? Oh, it's the pits. You reckon this might be where it came from? This might be the story? I want to ask you a question, a real honest question. When is the last time that you realized that you have been delivered in the last possible moment by God? When is the last time that you acknowledge the truth of your life? And you said, wow, back a little bit. You kind of look back, you get a little smile on your face. And you're saying, whew, that was close. And instantly you remember, that was God is what it was. That was God. That was Heavenly Father. He stepped in front of that truck and stopped it. He he caused the crushing metal around me to give me eight inches. I don't know if you all have seen me. You all in the room have seen me. I don't fit in eight inches of space. I'm a little bit big. There's no way you're going to put something like me in eight inches of space and unfurl me from that eight inches of space 
And by and large, except for, you know, then I'm not going to be dead. There's no way. There is no way. But that's not the only pit I'm talking about. Some of us make dumb decisions. I've made some dumb decisions. Man, let me tell you. Decisions are a real pit for a lot of us. We make dumb decisions. Why? Because we're impatient. We're impatient. We're untrusting. We say, nope, got to have it now, God. I understand. Be still. Wait. No, I'm God. Whatever. We microwave our faith. I don't have a working microwave. How long has it been since the microwave worked? I don't remember. A year? Two years? I don't remember. When was the last time we had microwave popcorn? Because that's about all we used it for. The thing is, is I'm not a big microwave fan, but you know microwaves, the whole purpose of a microwave is to what? Speed it up. Man, we can't wait 30 minutes to cook something on top of the stove. What are we going to do? We're going to put it in the microwave and put a bunch of stuff running around and all kinds of stuff that's no good for us, kill all the value of our food, nutritional value of food, and then all of a sudden we're going to eat up. But what do we do? It says, ooh, well, I don't eat this. You know, you're hungry. You look in the refrigerator or freezer, I guess. That's where everything goes in the microwave. Look in your freezer and say, oh, it's only going to take, if I cook it in the oven, it's going to take an hour and 45 minutes. But if I cook it in this microwave, this magic little box, all I have to do is punch in four minutes and 35 seconds, flip it over or stir it, put the little film back on, and another three minutes, and I'm good to go. Forty-five hour and 45 minutes or seven, eight, nine minutes. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that microwave. So we set it up, right? We do the first part. Well, guess what? We don't make it. Most people don't make it to that first part where we're supposed to stir it. You know what else we do? We say, man, I'm not going to stir it. It'll be fine. That's going to take me, what, 30, 40 seconds to stir it, flip it over, put the thing on. I'm just going to let it run. I'm going to put it, if we put it on, we put it on for eight or nine minutes, whatever the time is. Whoever can add, they put that time together. And then they say a watch pot never boils, but I don't know what you say about a microwave, but you're standing there and you're going, well, now it seems like it's been long enough to me, hasn't it? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna open it up there and see. It should be fine. I mean, it's been four and a half, five minutes total. I've waited long enough. I deserve my food. So we get in there and we get after it. And we well, it's still frozen in the middle, so maybe we'll get back after it again. We'll put the rest of the time. We learned our lesson. We learned not to be impatient, right? So we put it back in. We do everything else, punch in the right numbers. Well, we only have about four minutes and a half to go. And we say, after about two minutes, we say, I think that's good enough. I think they're probably just trying to cook off, you know, it's probably some law thing, like some sort of, you know, don't sue me type of thing. So probably the lawyer said, no, you got to cook it for this long. It's probably pre-cooked anyway. I mean, I'm just basically just heating it up. I think hot enough is hot enough. I'm going to go ahead and do it. What do we do? We press the little thing. We open up the the, uh, door, and we say, well, it'll be good enough. We rush everything, don't we? Couldn't wait nine minutes. Couldn't do it exactly how it says. We went from one hour and 45 minutes in a regular oven to nine minutes, and what do we do? In about seven minutes, we say, mm, I've waited long enough. God, I've waited long enough for you to feed me. God, I've waited long enough for you to clothe me. God, I've waited long enough for you to provide me this job. I've waited long enough for you to provide me this healing. I've waited. It's too long. I can't wait anymore. And we press that button. We say, that's it. We're not still and know that he's God. We don't wait patiently on him. The last possible moment. What do they call it? And the Christian folks talk about the 11th hour. He delivered me in the 11th hour. I never have understood that because, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. Why the 11th hour? That's just half a day. Why not the 23rd hour? That doesn't sound as good, I know. Not military time. Right, right, right. 11th hour. You're right. Good call. There you go. Now, you're a math teacher. I'm, that's far from stupid. 
When is the last time you realized, hey, this is God delivered me in the last possible moment? You say, well, <laughs> the impatient person says, last possible moment, I deserve to be saved earlier on than that. Why make me wait? If you really love me, you wouldn't make me wait. Boop. We press the button. There's two or three or four or five minutes to go. And we can't understand why the food of our life doesn't taste good. Because you didn't cook it time. didn't go long enough. Sometimes to learn the lesson on how to get yourself out of that pit, how to not get in your pit, comes in the 11th hour. We try to hurry up God. Daniel wasn't about that. He knew. He said I, he was taken out of the lion's den. Somebody had to put that ladder down. He climbed out of there. Imagine the smile on Daniel's face. Imagine that smile. Boy, I wonder. When he got tired overnight, did he lay down with the lions? The lions laid down? Boy, that's my dream. That's my dream. Walk among the great lions, and they no longer, it's no longer in their nature to eat me because they're made perfect and I'm made perfect in the presence of an holy God. Won't that be cool? Boy, I hope there's lions in heaven. Won't I be disappointed? No, I won't. It'll be fine. God will work it out. How about number seven? This last one, I told you it would only be seven. I didn't make it up this time. There's perfect in its service, for no manner of hurt was found upon him. When's the last time you realized just how perfectly God met your needs and he delivered you yet again, yet again? When's the last time we said, God, you know, you did this just exactly right. Boy, aren't you something? Boy, I don't know. I'm, I'll tell you something right now. I'll tell you something. I'm going to be real straight up and honest with you. We say this a lot. We say, well, yeah, he, he did deliver me. He did give me that blessing. He did. He made me wait a while, and it's not what I wanted, how he delivered, but it's still, del- I mean, it's air quotes deliverance. I mean, yeah, thank you, God, to wait, and I don't, you know, now i got to do this and that. You know, every solution, every answer to prayer brings more problems. You ever hear that? I've heard people say it. I can't believe it. I want to shake him and say, what in the world are you talking about? It's not going to be perfect till we're on the other side of the veil when we get our reward for faith. You see, here's the thing, and this is this is what uh, I'll tell you what. For me personally, I have been impatient enough times. Good lands, I've been impatient enough times where I could be the poster boy for impatience. The whole lot of people, whole lot of people are impatient along with me. We're all in a big line of impatient people, right? What are we doing? We're going we're looking at our watch going, Come on, come on, this line takes forever. You get that, right? Somebody get that? It's a joke grenade. Pull the pen, throw it. A little bit you'll get it. People all across America are going, I don't understand what this man is saying. Here's the thing. Here's the crazy, crazy thing, folks. We've got a situation in our life We've got a situation in our life that that we're going to come upon pits. We can avoid the pit by being obedient. Sometimes we can avoid the pit. Sometimes we can avoid the pit altogether. And sometimes there's a lesson in the pit. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes you're in the pit, there's a lesson to be learned. I'm not saying put yourself in pits and see how you can glorify God. I'm saying try to stay out of those pits, do what God tells you to do. But guess what? Sometimes there's a lesson in that pit. Sometimes God puts you in that tough place. Not to teach you a lesson, but so that you can be present in your great faith, your patient faith, 
and you can look at other people and you can say, you know what, I've been in this pit by myself before. It's sure lonely. Except for when I found God. Except for when I found Heavenly Father. Boy, except when I placed my faith in Yeshua Hamashiach. Boy, have you ever heard of what he's done for you? Let me tell you what he's done for me. Well, I don't have any fancy church talk for you, but I'm just telling you what he did for me and what he does for me every day. Man, here we are in this pit. What did I preach about a few weeks ago? Shaul and Silas. Paul and Silas. Chained, their hands behind their back, five feet up, and they're hanging from there. All night long, they're singing and praising, praising Jesus and praying. The ground shakes at midnight. The jailer is woken from asleep, and he's about to kill himself. And they step in and say, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We're all here. We didn't leave. They traipse over to his family, and they lead all of them to faith in Christ. Changes his life. Here, he thought he put them in that pit, that jail, that dungeon. But he was the one in the pit all along. Sometimes we get full of ourselves, don't we? We get real full of ourselves. And we think, oh, I'm not in the pit. I'm not in the dungeon, man. I'm the king of all everything. Look at my kingdom. What did King Nebuchadnezzar say? He said, look at what I've done. Bavo Palace. Here, look at me. I did all this. God said, okie dokie. I see you've forgotten. I see you've forgotten. Man, that's an important word here at the end. I see you've forgotten. I wonder how patient God will be with us. 9-11 happened because we didn't recognize our enemy. We didn't respect what that enemy could do to us. We didn't respect the demonic force of evil. We did not respond accordingly to protect our freedoms. And here we are. And we still aren't. Here we are. We dug a pit nice and deep. We filled it full of lions. We threw in some scorpions and some king cobra snakes and some two steps and some black mambas and some hippos and some polar bears and some grizzly bears <coughs> and some alcohol and some drugs and some perfectionism and some self-doubt and some relentless, unrelenting fears and some faithlessness. Some folks have been hurt. They've been hurt by their families. They've been hurt. Folks do bad stuff to people they love, don't they? Boy, that's how you treat people you love. I'm hoping I'm on your hate list, right? Lots of families all across, all over the world, hurting their families. Parents hurting their kids, kids hurting their parents, breaking their hearts. And here we are. We've got all these pits. Somehow or another, we've got all these pits all around us. And God says, I'll shut the, the lion's mouth for you if you'll just claim me as your God. If you just claim me as your God, you serve me as your God, you honor me as your God, I will shut the mouth of the lions. I'll show you where that pit is so you can walk around it. Or I'll give you the strength to get through what all is going to happen in that pit. Because you're there for a lesson. You're there for learning. You're there for teaching. I don't know about you, but I want to stay out of as many pits as I can. But Daniel knew. He knew he had a mission. He knew who his protector was and is. Can you imagine Daniel in heaven? I see Daniel in heaven. I'm going to give him a high five. If we do high fives, might do knuckle bumps. 
in heaven. I don't know. But I think we're going to not worry about germs so much. There'll be some high fives going on. I'll be like, dude, that was awesome. Your whole life was awesome. Man, I pale in comparison. But you know what? I'm going to be walking along. You know who else I'm going to do that to? I, I'm pretty positive. I'm, I'm absolutely positive, positive that the Reverend Dr. Billy Graham does not high five. But maybe when he gets to heaven, he might take that up. But, man, can you imagine seeing him? Examples of great faith all around us. So many great faith. But you know what? Let me tell you something. You know that person, if you still have a job, that person in your lunchroom that carries, totes their Bible, peacefully read their Bible and pray. They're never late. They're never late going back to work. They're never lingering too long. They're always early getting to work in the morning. They're always cheerful. They always say, I'm working hard, man. I'm glad to have this job. Really? You're glad to have this job? This job? Man, they don't have to pay me anything. Give me this old chair to sit in. It's uncomfortable. This desk and computer. Boy, this computer's at least one or two years old. This phone, you know, I don't even like this phone. And boy, the people they have me having to talk to all the time. And then the Christian, the true follower of the way says, mm, no, I don't see this as a pit. I see this as a provider from the provider. I see people in uh, sick play. I go with people that are real, real sick a lot of times. And I go with them and I say, this is a tough place you're in. I sit next to people that are dying all the time, every week. They're not might going to die. They are going to die. They won't be long. And the journey to death, to release from the pains of earth, is terrible. And I sit next to them, and a lot of times, well, you know, and the Christians are there, because they're, they're grimacing a little bit in pain. And you sit down next to them, and you say, hey, I've seen you here a few times. My name is Sean. What's your name? They perk right up, and they tell you, well, my name is Claudette. How are you doing? I say, I'm doing all right. It looks like I'm doing better than you. Oh, no, you couldn't be doing better than me. I had a lady one time. She said that to me. She says, oh, no, you couldn't. You couldn't be doing better than me. She was hooked up to dialysis. I said, how long have you been on dialysis? She said, mm, I think this is my 10th, 11th year. I said, year? She said, mm-hmm. Coming here three days, three days a week, somewhere or another, to get my dialysis. I said, isn't that terrible? She goes, no, it's not terrible. Look at what God's given me. She said, I've seen my grandbabies grow up all because of these machines. Who made these machines? God did. Oh, no, I'm blessed by the te- blessed by the best and ready for the test. Mm-mm. No, I'm not in any kind of pit. I'm alive. Look, I don't have to sit on some terrible metal, cold metal chair. They gave me a recliner. And look, I got a TV I can look at when I'm not praying or reading my scriptures. I can watch TV, see what these crazy people on that dumb Mori Povich or whatever show is on. Look at me. I can laugh at them and say, man, thank God my life's not like that. I said, man, that'll preach. That'll preach. Sometimes we think we're in a pit. We're not in a pit. We're in provision. We don't like it. We say, tapping his watch on his left hand, hurry up, God. Do it different. What if you just, maybe today, just started, just do one week if you can make it. Maybe four days for the impatient. All right, if that day for the impatient. Just try it one day. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to, you are my God and I am your child and I'm going to trust you. You are my protector, just like Daniel. You're my protector and I'm going to trust you. What if we did that? Man, I sure appreciate you listening. It's awesome. Please share this with your friends. You never know who it might help. I'm going to say this Wednesday at 4 p.m. At 4 p.m., come right back to this channel. Go to drshawngreener.com or the Ninja announcement, and you will know where you can click on. Share that with a friend. Wednesday is going to be awesome. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www 
www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter at the ninja pastor and on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash god in country radio and check out all the free messages archive shows and buy dr sean's critically acclaimed book excellence killed the church how mediocrity is destroying america at www.drshawngreener.com Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.